I think it was when uh, my daughter Lily was probably six or seven. She's, uh, she's 16 now. Let's pray. Lord, help us. And uh, we started these uh, daddy date nights. And um, so I said, Lily, you're gonna, we're going to dress up. And we're going to go to the restaurant that you want to go to. So she picked the most expensive restaurant in Rochester. No, I'm just kidding. She, uh, she wanted to go to Basil's. So we went to Basil's, got some Italian. And then we, would, we, we went to go see a Christmas story at the Jiva Theater. And we did it for many, many, many years in a row. And I remember the first year. We, and they do an absolutely fabulous job. If you ever get a chance, make sure you go Jiva Theater in Rochester and see the, a Christmas carol. They do a fabulous job with it. So first time we were there, we were, we were down front, right on the aisle, the aisle that Jacob Marley walks down, the ghost of Jacob. And they just, I mean, he's scary. I mean, I was scared. I'm holding on to Lily, you know. And she had this death grip on my arm. And I said, he got up on the stage. I said, Lily, are, are you okay? She said, I'm okay. She goes, she goes I kind of like it. She, she liked it. She was scared, but she liked it. It was kind of cool. So we saw it year after year. And when that part would come, she'd be looking back, looking back, waiting for Jacob Marley to come down the, down the aisle. And uh, it was just... There, there is so many good things about a Christmas carol that brings out the gospel message. And what we've been doing over the last couple weeks, we've been, we've been doing Christmas at the movies. We've been taking different Christmas movies and looking at the gospel message. And this week, we're going to look at a Christmas carol. How many, how many of you like Christmas carol? Have you seen it? You've read the book? You've seen it? In the great, great stuff. And... Um, and so I want to dissect this for you today because, because this has so much good stuff. And I mean, when I, when I would sit there at the Jiva Theater and listen, they, the gospel message presented, I mean, sometimes I would just stand up and say, amen. I was like, we're having church because it was just good, the message that came out of this. And, and I think at the heart of, of a Christmas carol is, is really the gospel message. And here is the message, the message is, I mean, this is, you know, a lot of people love this time of the year and all the traditions and all that stuff is great. But at the core of the message of Christmas is that Jesus actually came for sinners. And that's what brings the message of Christmas. And that's what makes the message of Christmas so powerful. That's what brings the joy of Christmas to our hearts is that Jesus actually came to rescue us. And when we realize that we've been redeemed and purchased back through that, there comes this joy and this giving and wanting to help other people. That's where it comes from. And what we see at the heart of a Christmas carol is this, is this very thing. And what's interesting about a Christmas Carol is it was written by Charles Dickens and it was first published in 1843. And um, it's, a, it's a Christmas classic and, 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 and a book that's never been out of print. And basically the whole book is about change. That's why there's been plays written about it and, and movies um, that, that even the worst of sinners can change. Somebody say Amen. Even the worst of sinners can change. And the, and the main character of the book is this miser who is mean and can only think about himself. And he lives alone. And basically money is his only friend. And Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't care about anyone, doesn't want to help anyone, just lives for himself. And what I want to do is I want to show you some clips from the Disney 2009 version 
of a Christmas carol. And let's get the heart of Ebenezer Scrooge and where his heart is at at this point of the book. And go ahead and look at the screens. We're going to look at this. And there we see at the beginning to decrease the population that there's, there's the heart of, of Scrooge. We, we see that this greed has overtaken his life. He trusts no one. His only friend was Jacob Marley, uh, who had died seven years earlier as, as the book opens and, and Ebenezer loves his money so much. He's alienated everyone including a chance for marriage and a nephew who tries to reach out to him and invite him even to Christmas dinner. And and see, this is the message that I want you to see. Here's the connection that we can see with a Christmas carol and what we see at this time of the year and the message of Christmas that Jesus came for sinners. And, And the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth is, is given to Joseph and, and given to Mary saying, this is the purpose for Jesus coming. And, and, and we understand this through scripture as we see that Joseph was engaged to Mary and found out that she was with child. And through a dream, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him that her pregnancy was from the Holy Spirit. And the angel told Joseph to make Mary his wife And the angel told Joseph to name the child Jesus. We can see this in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Here is why they named him the name that they did. And and the angel said, listen, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will do what? He will save his people from their what? Since there's the purpose of Jesus coming. In fact, the name Jesus, Yeshua, actually means the Lord saves. Jesus is God who has come in the flesh to actually save us. And so God's salvation of men would come through this long-awaited Messiah. The Messiah would purify and save their people from the oppression of sin. What, what authenticates the person of Jesus is the fulfillment of of biblical prophecy that was prophesied about Jesus hundreds of years before he even came to earth. And so what we can see through the Old Testament prophets, we can see the purpose of Jesus coming and fulfilling this very thing that Gabriel said to Joseph, this is what you are to name him because he's going to save It's going to save the people from their sins. This is what alienates them from God. This is what oppresses us. This is the reason why We keep looking for things to satisfy us. This is the reason why the things in this world cannot ultimately satisfy us. This is why we go from thing to thing to thing to try to find quick fixes to make our lives feel like it has purpose. And this is why people struggle through their lives. It's because the answer is found in the person of Jesus. The reason why we struggle to find purpose in our life is for the reason that we're lost. And many times we don't know it. And we keep looking and looking and we kind of go around in circles. Have you ever been one of those corn mazes? Right? And you've been lost in that. I was in a corn maze literally for six hours. I was in a fetal position crying. Somebody help me. I can't get out of this thing. Right? It was a nightmare. Right? And that's what people do. They go, I, I think I can find my way out. I think I can find, I think I can find my way out. Meanwhile, nothing works in their lives. This is why Jesus came. Listen to some of these Old Testament 
passages concerning what Jesus would do for us. And I, I hope this gives you hope for your lives today. Isaiah 42 says this. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her sad days are gone and that her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord had punished her twice over for all her sins. There's a promise for Israel and for us today that God's going to send and and give us this pardon for our sins because of what Jesus Christ would do and accomplish for us that we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us are like sheep. And let me just say this about sheep. The the Lord, we we look at sheep and we think they're cute and cuddly and, and friendly. They're really stupid animals. They're the most dumbest, stupid animals out there of all the farm animals. They are completely dumb. And that's what we're called. We're called sheep. Not a compliment, right? And here's the reason why we're called sheep, because we're easily led astray. And so he says, we all like sheep have have strayed away. We left God's path to follow our own. Everybody say amen. That is just truth. That's the truth of God's word. Yes, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Isaiah is speaking here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying this. God, what God has done for us, he's laid our sins and our iniquities on his son so that we could find our way back to him. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27 says this. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. And I will take out, tell me this does not describe Scrooge. And I will take out your what stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I love the words there in the new living translation. I will give you a tender and responsive heart. To my spirit, one that was alienated from me, one that was stony and cold. I will give you a tender, responsive heart. Let me just say something here. That's what that's what God wants to do for you. Sometimes you look at people like, how can they be so cold? How can they not be responsive? Here's the thing. Only God can change a heart. And it is amazing when God changes a heart. All of a sudden we're tender and responsive and, and we care and there's mercy. And there's compassion that grips our heart. That's what Jesus does for us. And I will put my spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, in you that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. Zechariah, another Old Testament prophet, said this in 13.1. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and for the people of Jerusalem. A fountain to cleanse them from all their sins and impurities. Aren't those encouraging? What encouraging words. And so the book, A Christmas Carol, is basically written this way, if you've ever read it. It's basically written in five chapters. And throughout the book, it's a message of hope and ultimately the hope that Jesus' birth brings us. And, and, and what, I, what I want you to see is that each chapter is broken down and you can see the insight that Dickens gives us in, in, into our lives and the hope that comes from ultimately the gospel message and, and kind of peers into our hearts. We, we want to separate ourselves from Scrooge, but we're more like Scrooge than we think we are, right? That there is that callousness many times and that coldness towards God and wanting things for ourselves. And so what Dickens does is he calls each chapter of his book staves or staffs, which means stanzas to a song. 
The title of the book has much meaning. A Christmas carol is actually a carol or song related to Christmas. So it's actually five chapters or five staves or staves written in kind of a carol form. Telling a message of really what Christmas is all about. The book is about Christmas and the hope we find in the Christmas message of forgiveness and ultimately redemption. That God can change our hearts. So here's the question I want to throw out to you this morning. Why did Jesus, if, if we're looking at the sinful heart of Scrooge and our sinful hearts, and that we understand that through the Old Testament prophets, that the Messiah would have to come and cleanse us of our sins, if we understand that the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, this is what you are going to name Jesus, that he's going to save his people from their sins. If we understand this, then why did Jesus willingly die for sin? Why did Jesus come? We have to understand this, that our sin was so great, there was no way possible that we could bridge the gap to God in our own goodness. There is absolutely no way. There's not enough good works we could ever do to bridge. We think, well, maybe I'm just special. I'm a snowflake, right? I'm special, right? Listen, we're all special in our own little ways, right? But listen, we're not that special. There's nothing special in me that God said, Barden, you're okay. Said, Barden, you're not okay. But I love you too much to leave you there. And so we have to understand why Jesus came is because our sin was so great and God did not want to live without you. God wanted to bridge that gap so you could have a relationship with him and you could find true joy that you've been looking for all your life. Somebody say amen. So here's, let's, let's, uh, let's understand this question. Why did Jesus willingly die for our sins? So we understand Jesus was perfect. He was God. He's part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so why did God himself have to come to die for our sins? Well, chapter one of the book looks at the result of sin through the life of Ebenezer Scrooge. It looks at what happens, what, what is the result of sin? And so we have to first understand, if you, if you can follow along in your notes there, we first have to understand that sin has devastating results. God understands this, that sin has devastating results. So as we look into the book, as we look into those first staves of the book, the first stanza of the book, the first chapter of the book, Scrooge is haunted by his old business par- partner, Jacob Marley. And so what, what, does, what he does is Jacob shares with Scrooge what happens when we live for ourselves. And so Marley, if you remember, if you've seen this or read the book, Marley has chains all over him. He's chained to his money box. He's, He's tormented for eternity. Marley's message is you can't, you can change, but once you die, it's too late. And so he goes back to wake his friend up. This is what's happened to me because I worshiped money. I am chained to this thing for eternity. What a powerful message. And so in Hebrews 9.27, it says this, just as appointed for man to die once, and after that comes what? Judgment. So the conversation with Scrooge is very interesting and it's very sad. And here's the conversation. It says this. In the book, it says, it says, you are fettered. Your chain, said, said Scrooge, trembling 
He said, tell me why. Why are you chained? Why are you fettered? And this is what he says. I wear the chains I forged in life, replied the ghost. I made it. Now, if, you, if you're, in the, if you're in the, watching the play, he's yelling. I mean, this is scary. This is like, you're like, Ugh. this is a good part. He says, I made them link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on my own free will. Dickens is spot on. And out of my own free will, I wore it. And here's what Scrooge says. But you were always a good man of business. Jacob faltered Scrooge, who now began to apply this to himself. And then if you ever see the play, he yells out, business! Cried the ghost, wringing his hands. Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence were all my business. The deals of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. See, what Jacob understands now is that he missed it. He missed people. People should have been his business. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. People is God's business. People should be our business. Why do we go on missions trips? Why do we deliver packages to children whose parents are incarcerated? Why do we deliver uh, turkey baskets during Thanksgiving? Why do we reach out to our community? Why should we reach out to our neighbors? Why, why? Because people should be our business. This is the business of our church. It's people that God came for people. Listen, Let's not lose our focus as living word and why God has purposed us. We have to keep proclaiming the message of the gospel. That's why we exist as a church. This is not a social club. There's plenty of those. This is the body of Christ that we're to encourage each other and love on each other. And yes, grow in fellowship with one another, but our business should be always people. That's what we should be giving towards. That's why we give. So Marley tells Scrooge that he's going to be visited by three spirits. Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And this is where we come to stave number two or chapter number two. And this is what Dickens wants us to understand is that sin leaves regrets. And so what is done, the spirit comes, the ghost comes of Christmas past and shows Scrooge's past. And so what, this, what, this, what the spirit of Christmas past, he brings Scrooge to a place when he loses his fiance to money, she saw how it dominated him and she lets him go. So now he has no one to love. She lets him go because his money was too much a part of him. Scrooge is reminded of what he lost because of his money. And this is heartbreaking for him. This was a quote that I heard many years ago. It always stuck with me. I'm not sure who really quoted this, but some think it's Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'm not sure, but I love it. It's always stuck with me. I think I have it in your notes there for you. It says this, and this is 
perfect of who Scrooge is. Yeah, there it is. You, you, you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. See, what Dickens does for us is he shows us where it all started for Scrooge. And this quote fits perfectly with the way Scrooge's life went. He had a thought, money's going to give me everything. And it shows his early life that he worked hard. He worked hard, shows his early childhood. He's very lonely. He wanted to, he felt abandoned many times. And all of a sudden you reap this act. And then you sow this act, you give into this thing, and then you reap a habit. You can't get out of it. And then once you sow this habit, you begin to reap a character. It becomes part of your whole life, part of who you are. You can't break out of it. And then once you sow this character, you reap a destiny, which sets the course for your life. That's why Jacob came back to show him you can change your destiny. Listen, everybody, listen to me, listen to me. Look up here. You can change your destiny. Some of you feel like, well, my course has been set because I'm chained to my past. Listen, through Christ Jesus, he breaks our, our past. Your past no longer can di- dictate your future once you are in Christ. That's the hope of the gospel message. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived for God cannot be mocked. Whatever one sows, he will also reap. And I want you to understand sin makes things fall apart. It does either, either in our own lives or the lives around it. How many of us understand that? Where we, we are affected by other people's sins. When it falls apart, our lives fall apart, doesn't it? And we can see the destructive things that happen. And so he's seen this. He's seen, Scrooge has seen his past and how destructive these choices are making his future. And then we go to chapter 3. And chapter 3 is that we see that sin blinds us. This is why Jesus came, because he understands how destructive, how deceiving, but sin blinds us. And so now he's, another spirit comes, another ghost comes. This is, this is the, the ghost of Christmas present, present. He's shown his life where it is now, and it's eye-opening for him. And so what he's done, what the spirit does, is brings him to his nephew's house on Christmas and shows him what other people think about him. Isn't that fun? He shows him what other people think about him. And so what happens here? He's brought to Tiny Tim's house. Tiny Tim is the son of Bob Cratchit who works for Scrooge. And he's told him that that Tiny Tim is very sick and will die unless something happens that can help him. Scrooge is so selfish that he doesn't know his one employee's troubles. Could care less. All he cares about is the bottom line. And so, the, the, so the, the spirit of Christmas present shows Scrooge the reality of his life and the callousness he has for others and what other people actually think about him. And then we're brought to chapter four, staves, stave number four, where we see why Jesus came because Jesus understands this. And this is the reason why Jesus willingly gave his life for us because sin ultimately leads to death. And so the Christmas future, the spirit of Christmas future shows him his future. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? It's death. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, the word wages there is an interesting word. It's a word originally meant for a base pay for a soldier. The wages of sin are what we have earned. It is what we deserve for the payment of death. But what Scrooge has done, he's he's shown his future and what he has actually earned in his life. And it's very sobering for him because he sees this unkept grave as a result of what sin bought and basically no one at his funeral and people just getting the last bit of, of his stuff and just mocking him. And so what Scrooge does is he sees his ways and something changes in him. And see, this is the good news of Christmas. This is the message the angel brought to the shepherds on the night Jesus was born in Luke 2, 10 through 11. It says, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said, for I bring you good news that will be a great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. This is the news for you and I, that hearts can change. And what's Interesting about Scrooge is this great joy came over him because this great joy is for all people, even Scrooge, even for those who seem like they have gone too far. This is the gift that Paul shares in Romans 6, 23 says, yes, the wages of sin are death. We can't overcome them. This is what we deserve. This is what we earned in our life. This is because of our, our free will, but God gives us this gift, the gift of his son and his son will cancel the death penalty. By giving his life for us and conquering death through his resurrection. Scrooge can change his ways. And what we see is Christmas morning, he wakes up and he's a brand new person. And this is where chapter five comes in. And chapter five at the end of the book shows that sin can be forgiven. That a person can change. And so he wakes up on Christmas morning as this new man. He's he's, he's born again. And I, this is, this is my own insight. Okay. I'm just telling you, this is my thing. It's my opinion. So everybody say, this is your opinion. Okay. So nobody, you're really like, should I say that? This is your opinion, pastor. When I saw the, the, the play, the version of the play, Jiva, his, his nephew gives him a red vest and he refuses to her. He looks at it and just thinks it's a joke. Like Scrooge is going to wear this brightly colored, outrageous, red festival Christmas vest. This is when ugly Christmas sweaters were started back then, okay? So he's going to wear this thing. And uh, he's looking at it like a joke. And I love what they portray in the play. We saw it at Jiva. Christmas morning, he wakes up and he puts on the red vest. This is what I think. This is when Scrooge became born again. I believe he put on his new self in Christ. That just my thing. This my thing. Okay. I'm going to preach it that way. That's what I think. Okay. I love it though. I love the symbolism there. I love the symbolism because it symbolizes a new heart, a changed heart. So on Christmas day, he goes to his nephew's house, the very people who are making fun of him, 
He goes, and I'm going to show you that scene now. So go ahead and look at the screen. I love that. I love that. I love that, that scene. Here's what I love about that scene. Once again, he's, he comes to the table. He's invited back. And the very people that he's hurt, the very people that don't like him, there's reconciliation that happens. And that's what I love about the message of Christ, that reconciliation happens. Listen, listen to me closely. If Christ has forgiven you, and he's went to all this length to die for us, the question I want to ask for you this morning is, number one, have you received that forgiveness? Number two, do you recognize the length that God went through to save you? To, to rescue you from sin. I hope you understand the devastating effects of sin in our life, that there's no way we can overcome it in our own strength. There's this devastating result. But Christ gave his life to ransom, to take away that penalty of sin for you and I. That's where the joy comes in. And I want you to recognize that this morning. See, sin leaves regrets. But in Christ, there's no more condemnation. He covers our guilt. Sin blinds us. Jesus opens our eyes. Once we're blind, but now we see amazing grace. Sin leads to death, but Jesus conquered sin and death for us. And sin can be forgiven. You're never too far gone that God cannot reach you. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians 15 because... um, the Corinthian church is asking, well, what, what happens after we die? You know, they have questions about death and what happens after we die. And we know that, that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We're reunited with Christ. And I love Paul's words here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. Everybody say, amen. Once again, my body will be six foot ten. And I'm going to be dunking a basketball. That's all I ask, God. That's all I want. Just give me the six foot ten. I was actually watching the women's championship volleyball, college, college volleyball last night. Amazing, amazing volleyball players. The girls on the front line for Florida, 6'6", six, 6'6", six, 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 and 6'8". When they blocked the ball, they're... Their arms were like this far over the net. It was just amazing. They all look short because they're all the same height. They're all 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", amazing. That's what I want right there. So here's what it says. Here's, here, here's what it says. It says, this is the scripture that, we, that will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For, for sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power but thanks but thank god he gives us what the victory over sin and death through our lord jesus christ there is no more that sting of death anymore and so what happens the reason why i believe Christians should be the happiest people on this world. Not not that we don't go through difficult times. Not that we don't grieve at times. That's not what I'm saying. But the reason why we should be the happiest people on earth, the reason why Christmas time should be such a glorious time for us is that we understand 
that the wages of our sins have been paid in full through the precious cross of Jesus Christ. That's something to be excited about. So this is the way I think we should act knowing that our sins have been pardoned and forgiven. I want you to show you the end of the movie because they do a great job at the end of the movie. So we'll watch it here. Go look at the screen. That's what Christmas is all about right there. So I want to pray for you and then we're just going to close and, and just how faithful God is in our lives. Would you bow your hearts with me as we just close today and, and we're just going to close and just a beautiful Christmas carol. And let me pray for you today because some of you may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with my joy or maybe even your relationship with God. And it starts, it starts with you calling out to Christ. That's where it starts. God, change my heart, change my priorities, change my perspective. And maybe some of you have just had the wrong perspective and maybe you're looking to Christmas in itself to fulfill that void in your life. Let me just say, look to Jesus to fulfill that thing you've been searching for in your life. And so let me pray for you today. Lord, I just pray for every heart here today, hearts that are far away from you, or maybe hearts that are just have grown cold to you. I pray, Jesus, that you would just change us today, that we would realize what you've done for us and that you would place that joy in our hearts where the joy, the source of our joy should come from a changed heart, a changed life, that you've forgiven us today. May that joy be the, be the cornerstone of, of our happiness, God, and our purpose in our life and why we reach out to other people. May people be our business, God. May If we've lost our way or we've lost our perspective, God, change us once again to put our perspective in the, in the right place, God, to put our priorities in the right place that it's about people. So change us here today. And we thank you for all you've done for us and through us. Uh, through your son, Jesus, we give him all the glory. So I thank you, God. Just change hearts today as we call out on you. And may the light of Christ that's within inside of us just shine brightly for him each and every day. So thank you for forgiving us today. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand. We're just going to sing this in closing today. And uh, just, just let's sing this unto the Lord for he's good. He's faithful. God bless you.